Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. If you get $5 a month, you can get an ad-free version of the show. And plus, so many bonus episodes. We never plug those. There's a million should, bonus yes. episodes of me and Mikey watching movies about being trapped together in the first half of quarantine. And early access to interviews we do, early things like access, that. Access, some Book club stuff I did with my girlfriends. It's fun. It's silly. It's lighthearted. It's summer. There you go. <laughs> uh, there's so much going on politically, but I'm starting with something different, which <laughs> is TLC this week canceled the Duggar family's newer show. <laughs> the one about Jessa or one of those? Yeah, ones? it focuses on not the whole family, because yeah. the whole family involves Joshua Duggar. Sure, sure, sure. This one involved like everyone else and focused on a few of the girls. Yeah. It was called Counting On. And there are many, many, many children. And there are many children. And they finally said, you know what? We're going to cancel that one too. Something about this isn't feeling great (laughs) this year. And it comes two months after uh, Joshua Duggar, who is a conservative activist and Mm -hmm. a former staffer at the Family Research Council. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was arrested on charges of receiving and possessing illicit images of child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he faces decades in prison. That trial is going to happen in November. This come, I mean, the first show, and this is the thing that's amazing, the, the last show, 19 Kids and Counting, mm-hmm. was canceled because it was in the news that Joshua Duggar molested, like, four of his sisters and another girl mm-hmm. when they were much younger. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing, which unleashed a whole bunch of other scandals involving Joshua Duggar. That's what led to the first show being canceled. And then the network is like, well, we still like making money off of this family. And everyone who watches this show knows the family. Why don't we just get rid of Joshua and focus on the others? Cut out the cancer, man. I did not know the. I did not know this. Do you know how many seasons there have been of Counting On? Of Counting On? Yeah, the post- the uh, 19 Kids four? show. I believe it's like 12 seasons, <laughs> give or take one. But it's been that many seasons since 2015. Also, T- TLC doesn't do like seasons in a right. traditional They sense. might have two seasons in a year. Right. But uh, they've done like 11 or 12 seasons of the show. And I think they were filming like now. And they're like, you know what? We're good. Also, uh, the cameraman just like... <laughs> they have to go, actually. It's got to be weird. I'm sure the camera, uh, the crew, I'm sure know this family better than anybody. Right, yeah. Um, and, like, what are you going to do if you're the other Duggars who had nothing to do with this? It's like, oh, no, there goes the only thing I had a skill for. Right, which is existing <laughs> and procreating. So that, I mean, logically, if you have 20,000 children, one of them is going to be a monster. Just so you so all know, there just, are multiple dogs running around here. I so sorry. I had like I just got back in the house like twenty minutes ago, and so the dogs are happy to see me. Finn has the old, old, old seventeen. He just heard me. The seventeen-year-old German Shepherd mix that I've been watching, who belongs to my brother and sister-in-law, has graduated to full-on shadow of me, and he <laughs> walks like a fucking tap dancer. Um, so it's there's just nothing to be done. At some point, he's going to come over and breathe on me. There's a ninety yes. percent chance he'll pick that up on Mike. It's just. It's whatever. Just deal with it. We're doing our best, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, they, they have this show. It is done. One thing that uh, has gotten discussed in the wake of this cancellation is what was TLC waiting for exactly? Why were they still doing anything with this family? They're, they're the answer is money. to go down. <laughs> yeah. Was that what it was? I, I, 
I don't know. The ratings were never spectacular, but I'm sure the people who are... It's like the Kardashians, which in the sense that if you watch them, you watch everything. Or you don't pay any attention to them whatsoever. So I'm like, this family, the Duggar family, is not as popular as the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure they had their base. And I'm sure if you're making hundreds of hours of content like this... It's good for your streaming platforms and all mm-hmm. that stuff where it's one of those mindless shows you put on in the background yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But even in this case, they didn't cancel the show two months ago. No. They didn't say, you know what, we should stop working with this family and giving them money that this guy is basically coasting off of. Right. I mean, he wasn't getting paid for yeah. counting on, but he was part of the first season, uh, first shows. They waited two months to say, you know what? We're done with this family. Really? Really? The first molestation scandal didn't do it? Their anti-gay, anti-trans stuff didn't do it? Yeah. It took now? Listen, bud. Capitalism is a hell of a drug. And (laughs) it will leave a deeply messed up family with infinite members. They're like a hydra. You cut off one head, three of the... Don't cut off anybody's head. It was a metaphor. (laughs) Um, But... You cancel one Duggar show, another 19 pop up. (laughs) Yeah, listen, TLC is in it to make money, and if they were still making money, even though one of the family, one of the 12,000 cast members is suspect, whatever. By the way, there's nothing stopping another season of a different show with different family members. I don't know that they're doing that. TLC seems to say it leaves open that possibility. (sighs) Here's the statement. It was very brief. TLC will not be producing additional seasons of Counting On. TLC feels it is important to give the Duggar family the opportunity to address their situation privately. Which is weird because, really, now they want privacy? They're so considerate of the human beings that they exploit for money. Yeah. Yeah, TLC is not a channel known for not exploiting. Yeah, like back in the day, I think TLC was supposed to be the learning channel. And then when they changed it to TLC, they're like, this really opens a lot of doors. (laughs) My thousand pound life. I didn't know I was pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, let us pop different parts of your body and air that. People love that shit. Oh, they really do. There was a change.org petition calling for the network to break all ties with the Duggars after Josh's latest mm-hmm. scandal, though I'm guessing the change.org petition had nothing to do with this decision. No, listen, like, whatever. I'm glad they canceled them. I'm not holding corporations to any kind of moral standard. Right. And like, I'm not holding TLC to right, right. any like, sort of standard Yeah, here. that's fine. I wouldn't have been surprised if they just let it go. I think if it had continued to be profitable and they saw a future with this family, they would. But I think or just screwed the pooch for everyone. Just do the Kardashian method of like, we will air one more season, but it'll be everyone discussing the scandal or whatever. Oh, uh, sure. They I don't think the Duggars want to have an episode in which they discuss, they discuss their son and brother's sexual predilections. I don't think that seems like good yes. Christian behavior. Let's talk about how he watches what one prosecutor, and I'm paraphrasing here, called the worst example of child sex abuse I've ever seen in my many years of prosecuting this stuff. That's what was on Josh Duggar's computer. Fuck, really? Yeah. Okay, see, it I blocked a lot bad. of this out. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was bad stuff. So if you're a Christian person and you believe that Christianity is the base of your morals, how do you spin the Josh Duggar story? He uh, could, Satan. Satan did it. Satan got control. he could have had control. a more Christian upbringing. He stayed in the Christian world. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the he whole point the everyone's fucking... been saying forever, which yeah. is if this family, uh, they're basically fundamentalist Christians, however you want to define that. And look, it didn't stop the same problems, worse problems, mm-hmm. from creeping into the family. Yeah. They're not better. Right. They're, I mean, the argument has always been they're not better off for having all these kids because mm-hmm. they still have a whole host of new problems. Sure. But also, yeah, you're right. Their Christianity did not prevent these. I mean, they're not problems. They're crimes. Yeah, you know, yes, like it didn't stop any of that. But again, this is that whole idea of hypocrisy has been at the center of all this criticism mm-hmm. of evangelicals and quiverful families and all that. And it never seems to get the traction it deserves. Because again, they've been making money off of this show for who knows how long now. Oh my God. Um, 15 years probably? Since mm-hmm. I was in my early 20s for sure. I'm 35 yeah. now. I mean, the show's title, 19 Kids and Counting, was like the fifth version of that yeah, title. Yeah, like 15 Kids and Counting when yeah. it started, I think. Like they just kept having babies, so they kept updating the title. Uh, let me jump to a uh, different story here, which involves 
a site called Right Wing Watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, which, okay. if you don't follow Right Wing Watch, here's what they do. The whole site, which is a project of a nonprofit group called People for the American Way, which was founded by Norman Lear, hmm. who did All in the Family yeah, and every yeah. of those controversial but uh, important, influential 70s sitcoms mm-hmm. type of shows. Uh, he started People for the American Way. They do a lot of projects. One of them is Right Wing Watch. And Right Wing Watch basically watches mm-hmm. what people on the right say and do during interviews. Like, it's almost joking, like, who watches Pat Robertson on the 700 Club? Yeah, right Wing Watch watches it. <laughs> Who's? I mean, it's one thing to say there are websites, progressive websites, that mm-hmm. watch Fox News and Newsmax, and they report on what is being said right. and shown to all these people. But who's watching the sermons of a random dude, random pastor who right. might be an extremist? Right. Who's watching interviews on lesser-known... Uh, video uh, chats mm-hmm. on YouTube. Like, I've seen some of the episodes they're watching. They only have, like, a few dozen views, but these are people with influence who sure. are talking. They're just not necessarily known. Well, so I mean, Right Wing like- Watch watches all this stuff, and all they do, and this is important, mm-hmm. they say, here's what this person said, mm-hmm. and here's the transcript, and here's the video clip. Mm-hmm. We're it's not here to... Presented without commentary. Pre- yes, exactly. That is a huge deal. They do not say this is good or bad or whatever. Yeah. They let you figure that out for yourself. Which I love. I, I love that it's there's no spin. There's no like inter- interpretation of anything. It's just, here's what they said. Make it of what you will. Right. And so this is what they've been doing forever. I mean, I remember maybe the biggest example of them really getting into this uh, after 9-11 happened and Jerry Falwell Sr., not the, the, the what do you want to call him? I was going to say junior. I was going to say not the guy with all the sex problems. Sure, sure, sure. The guy with all the bigoted problems. Sure, 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 sure. Maybe um, also sex problems. Who oh, knows? Maybe. Like? Who knows? After 9-11, he basically said, I blame the ACLU and mm-hmm. I blame people for the American way and I blame lesbians mm-hmm. for an abortion for 9-11. Right. And he later apologized and no one cared about that. But... <laughs> Where did he say that? He said that, I believe, on the 700 Club. But the reason that became kind of the defining moment for the public, anyway, of Jerry Falwell's life is because Right Wing Watch was really quick to report on that. Like, this is what people are saying on the right in a way that the mainstream media is not paying attention to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is an important site. Without them, there are so many political stories that people would miss. Because, like, you think about Donald Trump and the the small clique of Christian nationalists he was surrounded by at all mm-hmm. times. And a lot of people, I think, would not have heard of any of those pastors or who these people are because it's part of that revolving uh, cinematic universe of Trump people. <laughs> uh-huh. And they all grift in and out and do whatever it is they Did you do. Say grift instead of drift in a fun pun? That wasn't intentional, but it's accurate. It's pretty funny. And so they did all this stuff. And and here's Right Wing Watch saying, here's what Jenna Ellis said. Mm-hmm. Here's what this person said on a Christian radio show right mm-hmm. now. So the point is, they are unbelievably important, not just for someone like me who commentates on this stuff, right. but for a lot of mainstream media who relies on their reporting to talk about what's being said. I cannot tell you how many times the mainstream media big organizations mm-hmm. have cited something they posted and mm-hmm. brought to the public's attention for some other uh, article they were writing. Anyway, so this week, uh, I think a while back, YouTube would see one of the video clips they're say- showing where it's obviously some pastor or some conservative political figure saying something awful. Uh. And YouTube punishes right-wing watch saying, no hate speech allowed. You have a strike. You can't upload stuff, depending on how much, how many strikes they have. And so at some point a few years ago, right-wing watch said, you know what? This is, we have too much, too many videos on this channel over the course of many years. Mm -hmm. We cannot afford to get more strikes and lose everything. risk it, yeah. So for the past year or two, they've been posting on Vimeo, not YouTube. And they've been able to do that. And then this week they got a message saying YouTube has banned our channel (gasps) and removed thousands of videos from public circulation. Like if you click on an old link from years ago, Uh I mean, there's one thing for link rot and an old link to disappear. But Uh if you embedded a video, I, me, like on my website in 2007, it says, yeah, this video is no longer in effect. And it's like, that's a lot of institutional knowledge that is just gone. And why? 
because YouTube's algorithm said right wing watch is posting these hateful uh-huh. things, even though every clip they post not just has their logo on it, but it begins with like a three second disclaimer. These are not our views. Uh-huh. This is it, it says that every time. So they that get sucks. this. They get this ban. The email they get says, yeah, it's banned. This is permanent. It cannot be undone. You're done. Um, there's, they had appealed, and they said, yeah, no. What? Yeah. Like they were, so somebody theoretically, looked at it. Theoretically, someone, not a computer, looked at it and said the appeal stands. So this happened last Friday. On Monday after the appeal, they got a response back that said, yep, nope, we are not reinstating your channel. So they basically posted on Twitter, our efforts to expose the bigoted view and dangerous conspiracy theories spread by right-wing activists has now resulted in YouTube banning our channel and removing thousands of our videos. We attempted to appeal this decision and YouTube rejected it. Which, by the way, again, just the facts, no commentary Uh on that. These are the things that happen. The thing that everyone else is pointing out is... Right Wing Watch just got banned, but all the people whose clips they were taking this shit from, Mm -hmm. those videos are still up on YouTube. Yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. Like, a lot of them are. Not everyone, but, like, a lot of these things, they were like, look, this person said this. Well, that video's still up there. Right. So you're punishing the wrong people. What the hell is wrong with you, YouTube? That's so frustrating. Monday, it got to the point where a lot of major media outlets were reporting not just on the fact that Right Wing Watch got banned. This is not a cancel culture thing. Right, this right. is clearly the algorithm is broken. Right. And, and like, how do you screw this in. up? Yeah. How many people work at YouTube who could step in and no one's doing it? Mm-hmm. What the hell? Mm-hmm. I think the public pressure mounted enough that by that afternoon, YouTube had reversed the decision. Oh, good. Yeah. What a happy ending, right? That's the end of the story. <laughs> Technically, yes. Okay. I mean, YouTube said, look, we, we screwed up. We have, we have made this better. It happens in our course of trying to protect sure. people. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. That's me saying they said they screwed up. But they reinstituted, reinstated the channel. Mm-hmm. The old videos now work again. Hallelujah. Fine. Um, I should say one thing that was amusing is that immediately after they announced, hey, we've been banned from YouTube, there's a lot of right-wing people, individuals, a lot of whom who are the focus of a lot of their reporting, uh-huh. who are like, look at you, cancel culture came for you, you're, you're, mm. you've been trying to cancel us for years, and it's like, they just God. quote you, why are you who, mad? Who taught them the word cancel? It's the worst, it's genuinely I the worst thing that's happened it was in black people and they years. stole it, and same as woke and all that stuff. <sighs> So, one of the ones that was especially interesting came from a right-wing pundit and anti-Semitic dude, uh, Rick Wiles, who taped his show, I assume, Monday morning, right after the word of this got out. Uh And here's what he said. He was so happy. (laughs) I've never seen him this happy. He had no smile on his face. It's an internal happiness. I suspect there will be layoffs very soon inside the organization because there's no platform for them to spew their lies and propaganda, which is not true. One, because it's not an organization. It's like one or two people uh-huh. who do this stuff. And also... Two, they're on Vimeo already. They post on Vimeo. They post it on Three, Twitter. They lost sir. one important outlet, but it's yeah. not the only one. Uh, Rick Wiles goes on to say, so they're writers, they're editors, all the people they had working to smear us and other ministries. What are they going to do? I suspect they're going to lose their jobs this week. He's so happy. Um, what an asshole. Smear us. Again, what does Right Wing Watch do? It's... It quotes them. I just am so... Conf- I honestly, These people think they're being smeared because Right Wing Watch said, Rick Wiles said this said. on his show. They're like, What? How dare you use that against me? I just need to know if these people are earnest and they don't understand what Right Wing Watch does. They don't. They definitely they think because Right Wing Watch is posting this as an example uh-huh. of right wing extremism. And right. I mean, they make no bars about saying Rick Wiles is an anti Semitic right wing right. conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. Here are the links right. where he's trashing Jewish people. Work. Yeah, it's all there. And they're like, "How dare you call me? You know, an extremist." Rick Wiles went on to say, here's the kicker. Let me make this very clear today. Jesus Christ shut down right wing watch. Not YouTube. 
Jesus Christ <laughs> shut down Right Wing Watch today. This is an example of God working through unsaved people at YouTube to carry out his vengeance How against... How they're unsaved? Uh, they're, they work for Silicon Valley Company. To carry out his vengeance against those who attack and smear his servants. I didn't have to lift a finger against Right Wing Watch. I think they'll disappear in the coming weeks and months. There is no purpose for them now. He literally sounds like a 1960s Disney villain. <laughs> like, he sounds like Cruella de Vil. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, we'll see what happens next. <laughs> and then Right Wing Watch was, you fools. was reinstated by YouTube. And Rick happened. Wiles did not respond to that. And Jesus... Didn't want that or did want that? I have to assume Jesus Christ is the one who reinstated their channel. There's no other explanation. So he changed his mind? Yes. Yes. And well, then, like, he reinterpreted the Bible sure, to sure, reinstate sure, sure, it. Sure, the all-important video. <laughs> I will say, Right Wing Watch in, in perfect fashion is like, here's a clip here's what of he what, said. here's what he said. And at the very bottom, you see, I'm going to quote Right Wing Watch as uh, Kyle Mantila. While we normally use the video hosting platform Vimeo for embedding videos on our website, in this case, it seems fitting to use our newly restored YouTube channel to host this clip oh, of Wiles prematurely good. celebrating the demise of Right Wing Watch. So are they... It doesn't matter. They're so still they, posting on Vimeo and They YouTube. still post on Vimeo because it's clearly too easy mm-hmm. for bad actors to report Right Wing Watch's videos. Yeah. By the way, I've started... I've, I'm taking their cue here because I have a YouTube channel now. Start backing that shit and, up. Well, I have the back of us, but the concern is if I post a crazy extremist pastor mm-hmm. saying something insane, I'm like, if I post that on YouTube... They're going to get me for hate speech. Sure. So Twitter has generally been better about that sort of thing uh-huh. where they can say like, eh, that's not, you're, you're reporting on it. Mm-hmm. You're not promoting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started putting it there and then on my website or something instead of posting an unlisted video on YouTube for oh. the purpose of making or writing an article about it. Because again, it's YouTube is very bad at this and they have no humans sure. who are taking care of this. And again, I don't have some in who's going to take care of stuff. By the way, uh, Atheist Republic, another atheist channel, uh, got an email this week, too, saying one of their videos uh, got a strike. Why? Because apparently, allegedly, they were promoting hate or whatever. But I I know the topic they were talking about. And it was, I believe, like an ex-Muslim who was talking about leaving the faith or something. It it wasn't anything problematic. Mm -hmm. It's a controversial issue. Because there's no nice way to talk about atheism. Sure. But they got a strike for it. And again, one strike, not a problem. But if you get multiple strikes quickly, your channel's going to be banned. And so, I mean, this is something... And it's not a left-wing or a right-wing thing. It happens to different groups. The interesting thing is that a lot of right-wing... <laughs> like I'm pointing out here, a lot of right-wing channels and a lot of conservative extremists, like the ones we're talking about here, despite their obvious violations of YouTube's own terms of service... Mm-hmm. Their channels never seem to go down. So, what do you think it is? Do you think there's just enough humans to give like pastors a break, and or do you think it? Or do you think there's like people actively downvoting or reporting Right Wing Watch's videos, and that's how it became? It would be very easy to coordinate some campaign against Right Wing Watch, where you're like everyone reports really conspiratorial, but, but there are plenty of people reporting some of those right wing trash talking people uh-huh. as well. But for whatever reason, when they're really popular, you know, YouTube's like, yeah, we don't want to get. It's like saying, do we want to cancel Joe Rogan on our platform? Right. We don't want to because it'll create bad stuff for us. Right. So we'll just let this guy's you know, anti-gay slurs slide and they do it to a number of people. It's very annoying. Anyway. So I'm glad right wing watch got this reinstated, but it's a real roller coaster for me. How are you YouTube and you don't have humans looking into this shit (laughs) as carefully as you should be. Right. I Um, have to watch a commercial every 30 seconds on everything I watch. I know you have the the money to to pay 20 people. Facebook has the money to have customer service and reporting some of this stuff. And, no. Why bother? Simply don't. Why bother? They, they work really hard to make their their uh, platform worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and I don't just mean the content. I mean how it's laid out. Facebook, Facebook is, is amazing. Where garbage. it's like, 
I don't want to use it. I don't use it with a smile on my face. I use it because I kind of have to right. for the sort of work that I do. Right. But if you give me another option, I would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm not using it because I enjoy Facebook. No. I'm losing it. I'm using I it use like... it to keep tabs on my enemies. <laughs> I use it for like three groups that I'm in. Four <laughs> we have the Friendly Indies podcast group. Like that's all I do. And then yes. I make mean comments on a WGN thing. That's the other thing. If I make a mean comment um, <laughs> against somebody, not mean, just right. Um, and then it gets like buried in the comments. And then all of a sudden I get like a notification like John Gibson responded to your thing. And it won't even, t- it takes me to the top of the thread. I'm like, I'm not going to wait through a thousand mm-hmm. racist white people to find the one cool comment I made and hear what people have to say about it. Anyway, oh. fuck you, Facebook. You're the worst. That's a universal topic. Yeah. Uh, here's a surprisingly happy story. Doesn't start well, but it ends much better. Uh, the University of California, I think that's the largest university system in the country. I think you're right. Um, I'll tell you just a quick story. When I was at the University of Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, I was doing like medical stuff, studying medicine. And so, of course, like my classmates and stuff, we would have to do uh, stuff on site at local hospitals. Oh, uh-huh. uh, whether it's shadowing someone or if you're uh, a dentist, you go to the dentist, uh, the dental school, or you if you're a... Clown, um, you go to the clown Exactly. School. I was going to say, like, if you're a therapist, physical therapist or something. Yeah, they have affiliations with local hospitals, mm-hmm. so you could do work there and learn there. And mm-hmm. that's huge, and it's important. Teaching hospitals. And it's not just... Yeah, you're right. And it's not just that. It's that some of these hospitals are like, we need the help. Mm-hmm. And, hey, if we can offer that mentorship, mm-hmm. we, you're actually helping our patients because we get more manpower, basically. Mm-hmm. So these affiliations between universities and hospitals are important for everyone involved. It's a good thing. You want that sort of partnership. It's it's good for the patients. It's good for the students. So the University of California obviously has that because they have uh, colleges across the state. Uh-huh. Now, some of those hospitals, and this is where the problem begins, in general, American hospitals are slowly being overrun by the Catholic Church. They come in, they swoop in, they take oh. over the ownership of hospitals. And there are a lot of Catholic, and they don't necessarily broadcast that, but like you could see it in the logo. Sure. You know it in the name. Yeah. If you, you if know it if you try to get an abortion. <laughs> you know it <laughs> at that point. Right. Exactly. And here's the thing. When a Catholic hospital, when a Catholic church takes over a hospital system, mm-hmm. they institute these policies that for, conform to the Catholic church's beliefs. So you're right. You can't get an abortion mm-hmm. at one of these churches even if your life is on the line, arguably, mm-hmm. you definitely, I mean, other things you can't do. You, they, they won't dispense birth control. No. You no. can't get a vasectomy or a tubal ligation. Uh-huh. If you're at the end of life, even if it's legal, you can't get end of life care mm-hmm. or take your life uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let you do that because it violates Catholic church doctrine. But the overall idea here is it doesn't matter what's best for the patient. Right. If the Catholic Church says eh, this goes against our beliefs, you can't do that procedure at the church, right? Even if it's what the patient needs. So this is like a few years ago, there was a controversy because one of the schools in the U of C system uh, partnered with, I believe, like Dignity Healthcare, which was a Catholic-run system, and people were pissed off. Like, why are you working with that hospital specifically? Because right. The students aren't getting the education they need. The patients obviously aren't getting the help they need. And so, you know what? That particular affiliation died away. There was Mm -hmm. too much backlash. They decided not to go forward with it. But, again, here's the the reason you continue. You can't just say, well, let's have affiliations with hospitals that are not run by the Catholic Church. Because a lot of these Catholic churches, to their credit, serve low-income areas. Mm -hmm. And so to say, nope, the university's not sending students there to help out, you're actually hurting a lot of people who need help. Yes. So you do want these partnerships with these hospitals. You just wish the Catholic Church wasn't getting in the way of their health care. So you have a hospital system with students who want the mentorship and who they can supply. And you have these hospitals, like one in six hospital beds in the country is owned by the Catholic Church. Wow. Uh, and that was a few years ago. I don't know. It's probably more now. But here's the thing that happened this week that was fascinating. The university's governing board hammered out a new policy dictating how they're going to work 
with any hospital that they are under contract with in the future. And again, they can't say no Catholic Catholic, hospitals because too many. That's not how that works. That's not how it works. And too many people would be left off. Too many people would be hurt if the schools did not help these hospitals in low income areas. Mm -hmm. But here's what they said. I'm quoting from uh, an article in uh, from the Associated Press. It would not require a sectarian hospital's own staff to perform all hospital procedures. The, mm-hmm. the school's not going to make the Catholic hospitals do things against their beliefs. But it would allow UC personnel at the facilities to do so. And if a patient needed a procedure, such as a hysterectomy or delivery of an ectopic pregnancy and mm-hmm. could not be safely transferred, mm-hmm. UC staff would be allowed to perform it at the hospital. So they're saying, <sighs> fine, you don't have to do it. But if we're working with your hospital and we got the doctors who could do the procedure and we decide the patient needs it, we're doing it. And you can't turn away a trans person who needs a hysterectomy because you don't think they exist. And you can't turn away a woman who might need an abortion for her life. For any reason. Listen, I get... That's good news. And you're right. That is good news. And it's a step in the right direction. But we are taking a moment on our show to congratulate a hospital for offering health care to people. I would argue we're not congratulating the hospital. We're congratulating the university for figuring out how to get around the Catholic Church doing all the wrong things. Uh, the, the proposed amendment to that policy would give all the hospitals they are connected with, because they do have a lot of contracts still on the, that still are running, mm-hmm. uh, they have until the end of 2023 to comply with the new rules. Yeah. The point is, this is not in stone. This is what they're proposing. Mm-hmm. It needs to be finalized, but it, these are good changes. Um, and I just, while you are uh, talking... I'm going to look up one more article that was in the LA Times that kind of spells out why this is a big deal. No, I, I do. I under. I completely understand why it's a big deal, and I don't want to undercut what the what the college is is doing. I, I think that's great. It's just the larger picture is so fucking grim that it just. I don't know what to do with it. What do you suppose? I don't know what you do about Catholic hospitals taking over the world. I'm bleeding out because my pregnancy is a topic and you're going to let me die because the, somebody owned the Catholic church owns the hospital, which isn't even a, I'm not Catholic B. I don't know who makes those decisions. Like Mm -hmm. if anybody's making a decision about my healthcare, if I'm conscious and able-minded, anybody's making a decision and it's not just me and just my doctor and anybody else I include, it's a big fucking problem. If my doctor says, hey, we need to do this, I just need to go pray on it for a little bit. Or I need to call John Catholic to Mm -hmm. make sure he's cool with this. Like, what the fuck are we doing? It's 2021. Give people the health care they need. I'm sorry. No, not the Catholic Church. They don't play that game. And meanwhile, so, okay, so you're telling me one in six beds in the country is owned by the Catholic Church. Why? How have we gotten this far? How have we gotten they here? Have is, money. It, is it because maybe our country does not give a shit about healthcare and doesn't put any money into their hospitals? And so we have to leave it off to anybody who wants to pick it up. And this is why libertarianism is bullshit, by the way. I'm going to go on a libertarian rant. This is the result of libertarianism, right? Um, okay, well, the government isn't going to pay for shit. So everything needs to be either made as a for profit entity. Or done in charity, which is fine. Yeah, these are not charities, <laughs> these Catholic hospitals. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like, okay, well, they have the money, so they're going to sweep in and make all the decisions for the hospital in my area where kids are born and treated and people die and people get sick. And by grace of wherever I live, I might end up in a place that they're like, oh, we are afraid of vaginas, so we just pretend they don't exists. So I'm sure that bleeding will stop. I'm not worried. I have a penis. So I assume you're fine. See you next year if you make it. Like, what What are we doing, Hemant? What are we doing? I, listen, the University of California's board was basically trying to figure out how can we provide care without letting the Catholic Church get in our way. And one of the things they said is any hospital that affiliates with us has to agree to offer care on a non-discriminatory basis which means if you offer a procedure, like a hysterectomy, for example, mm-hmm. you don't get to deny it to anybody. And if you're not going to do it, we can do it on your premises. And if you want to transfer someone out, which creates a new set of problems, mm-hmm. because one, it may 
be impactful on your life mm-hmm. or it may be impactful on your emotions mm-hmm. if the UC people say, no, transferring is not going to help us here. If this is not like, oh, I need a surgery so I can just go somewhere else. This is, no, someone's life is in danger. Then we get to perform it here. Yeah. Like that is part of it. I don't know what else you can ask from the university system no, here. No, and I'm not, I'm not blaming um, the university system. There is a bigger problem with these Catholic hospitals taking over because they have the money to take over these other these places mm-hmm. that aren't being funded. They don't have the help they need. And because of that, they're willing to do these deals where the Catholic Church can take over these hospitals. And the Catholic Church says, well, we got a new set of rules that do not take into account how to help patients. You know what's the irony is if the Catholic Church did exactly what they did, but we're completely hands-off in terms of health care. Like, hey, we, the Catholic Church, we have all these gold crowns we need to sell, so we're going to invest some money in hospitals. You keep doing what you're doing. We are going to, like, give you the funding we need. The Catholic Church would be the heroes of health care, right? Like, if they, they were, They could like, be. They absolutely could be, and all they have to say is, all, we, the Catholic Church, we own this hospital, fine, we'll put a cross on the wall, but we have no say in your health care, because that's not what a... Ho- it, this is the story of the whole Catholic Church, which is, we say we're helping, but we're not. I mean, right. I don't even have this on my list of stories for this week, but they found a third grave site at one of those mm-hmm. residential schools this week, yeah. where another hundred plus uh, bodies appear to have been buried... And these are residential schools, Catholic-run schools that were basically saying, oh, these indigenous children, they need to be fixed. Let's take them to these schools. Let's indoctrinate the hell out of them. Let's Let's, assimilate them. Let's actively destroy their culture. Let's destroy their culture. Oh, and by the way, if you get sick, we got nothing for you. Um, And if you die, we'll just kind of unceremoniously get rid of you. Hopefully you've dug your own grave already or dug one of the... And this is another case. Why do they build up... This is the argument that one uh, priest made this week. He's like, why doesn't anyone talk about the good that all these schools did? That guy was forced to resign this week because what the hell are you saying? Yeah. Uh, I've really not been online all week. It's okay. He literally said that in church last week after the first big story uh, recently. After the first big story broke, he's like, why don't we talk about the good these residential schools did? Because thousands of kids were buried and not even we didn't get to honor them. And also, even if they did, quote unquote, some good and they can point to like one native person who went on to be like (laughs) perfectly assimilated Uh and become like the chairman of a board somewhere. Why did you do it? You ripped kids away from their families. This isn't like you adopted a bunch of like homeless children or like cleared out an orphanage in Russia and tried to bring them in and make them American. You kidnapped children from their families. It's the same thing with foster care adoption agencies, many of which are also run by the Catholic Church. Sounds nice in theory. What do we know you for? Because of who you refuse to work with. Mm -hmm. Because you judge them more on who they're married to and not the quality of that relationship. Mm -hmm. But like a perfectly fine gay couple that would otherwise be totally great parents, you won't work with them. Right. But a straight couple that ends up abusing kids. By the way, that story has been told many times. So many like times. Like a, a Christian a Catholic it. adoption agency gives a kid to a new family because of their faith. Yeah. Oh, look, there's abuse involved. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're going to court over, we don't want to work with gay couples because, ew, that's why. And we're willing to spend more money on lawyers and getting this litigation through than just pouring that money back into, you know, taking care of human children who don't yeah. have homes. No, it's cool. This is great. I have no problems with the Catholic Church. You've really changed my mind. Thank you, Hammett. You're welcome. That's what I do here. <laughs> uh, hey, one more thing while we're on the Catholic Church, and then we'll uh, stop for a quick ad break or something. But Pope <laughs> Francis, uh, there is a Pope, James Martin. I, I don't remember if he himself is gay, but he is a relatively liberal uh, Jesuit priest. And he oh, posted... I Pope, and I was sorry, very confused. Uh, I'm getting to the Pope. But okay. uh, Reverend okay. James Martin posted on Twitter that he got a letter from Pope Francis praising him for all the work he's done reaching out to LGBTQ Catholics. And here's what Martin said. Pope Francis has sent a beautiful letter on the occasion of the Outreach LGBTQ Catholic Ministry webinar, which Mm -hmm. happened yesterday, expressing his support for this ministry and encouraging us to imitate God's style of closeness, compassion, and tenderness. Which, again, basically saying, you know what? We did this thing where we were reaching out to LGBTQ people, Mm -hmm. and the Pope says, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're doing this. I support you. Mm -hmm. Which Martin is basically suggesting, see, we don't hate gay people. We don't hate trans people. (sighs) 
And uh, here's what the Pope said in the letter to Martin. You are a priest for all men and women, just as God is a father for all men and women. I pray for you to continue in this way, being close, compassionate, and with great tenderness. Sounds, sounds fine and nice. I just want to reiterate, because every so often, Pope Francis gets these headlines mm-hmm. like, look, he loves LGBTQ people. See, here's another example of it. Mm-hmm. I, he is not your friend he is not an ally. No. I'm just, let me run through a brief list Please. if I could. This is a man who, I mean, he's Catholic. He thinks homosexual acts are intrinsically immoral and contrary to the natural law. He thinks homosexual tendencies are objectively disordered. That's in the catechism. That's in the rule book. He opposes same-sex marriage even if he says civil unions are okay under the law. Cool. He over, obviously, he oversees an institution so that believes it is absolutely a sin to do anything gay, mm-hmm. even if there's nothing wrong with being gay. Mm-hmm. So, like, the church loves gay people, but if you ever think about not being celibate or getting married, screw you, you're on your own. Um, he, the Pope says the very idea of being transgender and the idea that people can change their genders, which arguably is not what is happening. Uh, mm-hmm. He called that ideological colonization. Um, a document released... I'm sorry, somebody in the Catholic Church is calling somebody up for colonization? Uh-huh. That's a yes, good look. you caught the irony. A document released by the Vatican in 2019 denounced the concept of gender fluidity. This is a pope who, before he was pope, said same-sex adoption was a form of discrimination against children. In 2010, he told religious leaders to pray against the legalization of same-sex marriage in Argentina, where he's from, because it would, quote, seriously damage the family. And then, of course, just last week, was it, when the Supreme Court case involving Mm -hmm. a Catholic institution, foster Mm -hmm. care agency, um, they had their case. They wanted to get away with discrimination against gay people, and they won that, and they were fine with it in the Vatican. The same Vatican, by the way, last week in Italy... There is an anti-discrimination bill that would include... There's a bill passing through Italian, uh, the Italian government that would include protections for LGBTQ people. The Vatican is speaking out against that bill. They complained about it. Huh? My point is, he is not your friend. He is not the friend of LGBTQ people. His entire career is... He gets all this good PR mm-hmm. for doing the bare minimum Like, the first big thing that he got headlines for in this regard, after he became Pope, is, like, on a plane, they asked him about the issue, and he's like, who am I to judge? And it's like, wow, look at that. Suggesting that, I'm not going to say they're sinning. We're all sinners, that sort of thing. It's like an advocate, the gay publication, named him their, like, man of the year. That was... Maybe preemptive, I and would say. And they got well-deserved criticism for it. Their argument, if I may, like, their argument was, we know where he stands on this stuff, but for that institution to make it clear that whatever. It wasn't get a good it. justification. So, like, great. He wrote a note to a priest saying, I'm glad you were nice to gay mm-hmm. people. That is not a... That's... Who cares? You know what? This... Doing the bare minimum is not impressive. This is kind of rainbow capitalism all over again, right? Like, um... Yeah. Like, AT&T. We love gay people. Yeah. Why are you donating to Mitch McConnell That's then? exactly right. I actually, um, love it or leave it, was this past weekend he went back to doing his live show and he did a whole thing about rainbow capitalism that was like... Comcast did this whole like explaining uh, pronoun uses and we're so pro gay, blah, 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 blah. And then, and you know, obviously makes their logo rainbow and then turns around and donates to McConnell yeah. or whomever. Which I, and somebody I, I think right, fairly commented after, because we talked about this last week about rainbow capitalism. And my point was like, it doesn't really matter what each individual thing is doing, but the fact that companies see it as profitable to appeal to gay people is generally a good sign, and somebody did yeah. make a fair point that was like... I'm glad you think you can make money by being pro-LGBTQ rights. Right, which is, listen, it's still garbage capitalism, but it's <laughs> in our neck of the woods at this point. And somebody said, well, a lot of these companies also try to be good to the queer members of their of their workforce, but and, which I will absolutely acknowledge, and it's great if, if companies do that. However, comma... Look at where they donate. Yeah. And that's where their beliefs are. I mean, we're talking about companies that said we're totally not. We have to give to Republicans because they're in office. We do work with them. 
but we totally won't support the insurrectionists. And now many of them are giving money to the insurrection mm-hmm. supporters. They think we'll too. forget about Yeah, they really do. Yeah. I mean, and they've gotten away with that for a long time. Of and course. now people are paying attention. I don't know if it'll change. It's but, a real annoying habit that we have of starting yeah. to pay attention. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew, an online service that sells products designed to help you combat erectile dysfunction using the same active ingredients found in Viagra and Cialis. And best of all, you can do everything privately. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line anywhere. It ships right to you in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from that extra confidence when it comes time to perform, go to bluechew.com, speak with one of their licensed medical providers, and after you're approved, they will send the prescription. Check out their website for more information. And for our listeners, we have a special deal. If you use the promo code FRIENDLYATHEIST, one word, at checkout, you can try it for your first month free after paying for shipping. So that's bluechew.com. Go there for more details and important safety information. And we uh, thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Thanks, guys. Let me talk about this story uh, out of, I'm trying to remember, Florida. Uh, well, there was a couple, I could have guessed that. Yeah. Uh, Joni Edmondson and her partner, Ciara Weaver. Basically, they're getting married later this year. Mm-hmm. And so they were thinking in April, like, that's enough time before their wedding. They said, we, we got to start ordering rental tuxes, things like that. Yeah. So they decided, hey, we're both going to wear tuxes. Nice. And you know where we can go? We can go to this place I've done business at. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of stuff from them called My Sister's Closet. It's in the city of Crestview. And they're like, I've gotten a ton of stuff from there. I, I like them. So she goes, uh, Joni Edmondson goes there, and she went there because she knew, uh, I'm sorry, Ciara Weaver had been renting clothes there for 15 years. So she knew Cynthia Harris, the owner of that place. Mm -hmm. And then, and everything's fine. They make their order. No big deal. That was in April. What month is it? We're now in July. July 1st. So like in June, like two months after, and to the point where... If you're trying to plan a wedding later this year when there's going to be a gazillion weddings, like you need to get those rental orders Uh in now because everything's going to be gone. Uh, Harris called them up like a week ago to basically say, yeah, no, I can't fulfill (gasps) the orders because, you know, Jesus. No. Yeah. Here's the article that was in the paper. She got a call. So she uh, talking about Ciara Weaver, her partner. She got a call. So she went outside and came back and she was in tears. And I was like, what's going on? And she was like, Miss Cynthia told me because she's because she's a pastor, she cannot (gasps) fulfill our tux order. I'm going to keep quoting here. Mm -hmm. It was awful. I was like, well, she's known that we're gay since forever. So why is it just now that you can't do our order? Uh And of course, so there's a bunch of issues here. One is we already placed the order. Why didn't you say something then when we had other options? A little after the fact. (laughs) And two, like, what? Why now you have a problem with us being gay? Like, you've known us for years. Do you know I have Never brought this up. Like, but of course, they were not gay married. They were just gay. So maybe it was okay. Sure, 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 know. sure. What was the question? Um, did do they did something happen to Miss Cynthia to make her like become a bigot overnight? Or um, over no, I think she was always a bigot. But because she realized these tuxes were for their wedding and not like we're going to someone else's wedding, uh... I think she finally made that connection and said, "What Jesus doesn't like that." Um, the fucking gall of some people, you know? This couple, I should say, they told the Northwest Florida Daily News that they actually wouldn't have cared if she just told them right up front, sure. I can't do it, because sure. they would have had time, which I personally have a problem with on yeah. there. <laughs> like, no, you shouldn't be okay with that either. But whatever. They were like, we could have just gone somewhere else and gotten it. But it's really hard right now. Right. And now you're screwing up our wedding plans at this point. Um, there is a place called Randall's Formal Wear. That reached out to them after they heard about this story and said, we got you covered. Nice. Um, at least you could rent from us and we won't cause you any problems. <laughs> and they went ahead and ordered their tuxes from them. Harris will not speak to the press about this. Oh, why? For whatever. Like, she's a bigot. She has so like, many legs I... to stand on here. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the, some of the questions that come out. Uh, she rents tuxes. She doesn't. This is not like, even if you talk about the Christian bigot bakers. Mm-hmm. 
Like the argument from that famous baker who went to the Supreme Court was, when I make a wedding cake, I'm, I'm part of your wedding. I'm doing something special. Take it easy, nerd. Which, yeah, and that's the reaction everyone had. But in this case, and we talked about this like last week or two weeks ago, where it's like there was another case that's been filed where a trans person said, I just want to buy the same cake you already make for people. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's for my coming out uh, anniversary. Yeah. And she did that on purpose right. because, again, there's a good question. You sell this to straight customers, mm-hmm. but you refuse to sell it to a trans one. That sort of discrimination is not really nuanced. There's no gray area. That's just sure. straight up discrimination. So in this case, this woman does rent tuxes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to decide, like, I don't like what you're Where using them for. Counterpoint. Uh-huh. If these are rental tuxes. They are. And two gay people wear them, then they return them, and then somebody has, else is going to catch the gay. Yeah, that is. is I'm sure problem. that's how it works. But. Like, other questions are, what is the general principle this woman is working off of? Is it, I cannot condone sin like this? Mm -hmm. Well, do you rent tuxes to people who have been divorced? What about women who have had abortions? Do you not check in because it's none of your damn business? Well, if she knew they were gay in the first place, then she should have frowned upon renting it to them anyway because it's going to be on their gay bodies just <laughs> despite the fact that if they're no, no, like no. It, she's mad because they're using it on their not because they're using it on their gay bodies but because they're using it on their gay bodies to walk down the aisle for themselves i hate this place and again there's no lawsuit this couple isn't trying right. to uh, like sue this woman out of existence they're just like fuck, we have a wedding in a few months. What mm-hmm. are we going to do? Which is the only reason they complained. Heaven, it's not just bigoted. It's inconsiderate. And that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. Big, bigotry is very bad. <laughs> uh, a similar story involving a, a more Catholic people here. Uh, there's <laughs> God, a Catholic Catholics school are taking in, a fucking whooping here. Man, in New Jersey, seven years ago, a Catholic school in New Jersey, uh, they had an art teacher and they fired her. They said... We see your belly. It is pregnant. Yep. We are, and you are not married. We're firing you because clearly you violated your contract with us. Um, I think Mary has something to say about that. <laughs> nope, she's never a part of this argument. Oh. Doesn't matter. Um, now here's the thing. There's a couple problems here. One is she's teaching art. She's not teaching religion, so maybe that's an issue. But also, here's the bigger uh, problem here. Uh. Last year, in a case that was decided by one of the higher courts in New Jersey, the the woman's name, the teacher's name, is Victoria Crisitello. And she said, like, the courts have generally been on her side. And they've all said she's not teaching a religion class. Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't get to dictate your religious beliefs on her, even at a Catholic school. But more importantly... Yeah. Uh, And, I mean, this is an ongoing source. Like, if the Catholic Church says... Come on, we have we hire religion teachers. We expect them to uh, promote our beliefs, mm-hmm. but she's not teaching those beliefs, so you can't hold her to the same standards. But I thought Catholic, Catholic schools could fire Court, people willy nilly. Courts have generally been on the side of the Catholic Church, saying okay. everyone, even the janitor, usually, has to abide by your rules. Yeah, it's which, usually somebody comes out as gay or marries their partner. But here's the reason. Uh, the judges have said she wasn't involved in religious instruction, which is why we're on her side here. Mm-hmm. But this is what was happening at the state's Superior Court of Appeals. They also said you're discriminating against her because you fired her because you could visibly see the pregnancy. What about men who impregnate women out of oh, wedlock? Sure. Isn't pregnancy a protected class, too? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, so I'm not going to answer. But this is what they it said. It can't be. People treat pregnant women like sh- pregnant <laughs> people like garbage, so. The school never made any effort to determine whether any of its other employees have violated the school's prohibition against immoral conduct. Uh-huh. We now hold that knowledge or mere observation of an employee's pregnancy alone is not a permissible basis to detect violation of the school's policy and terminate an employee. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, you're not, you don't care about immoral conduct. You're not doing surveys of your staff. You saw it, but only, you know, if, if only women, we could see that pregnancy, then you're discriminating. And that even the Catholic church, Catholic schools can't get away with. Hmm. So that's what they did. Now, um, now the New Jersey Supreme Court is taking up an appeal of that decision. That's what happened this week. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. New Mm -hmm. Jersey. 
Um, there is fear that they're going to decide, you know what, if it's a religious school, anything goes. So if Which they say... always what I assume in these kinds of things. Yeah, but that's the fear. Now, this is not a U.S. Supreme Court issue, but th- that's the fear that's happening. But here's the irony, and this has happened before, but if this teacher had gotten an abortion which I would think would go against Catholic doctrine. They would never know. They would never know she would still have her job because they don't get into that sort of thing with their business. What so she... what message is the church trying to send by firing her? We hate women, and we want to make sure you always know that. <laughs> right. um, I think a very interesting experiment would be if when she found out she was pregnant, just put on a wedding ring, and if anybody asked her, oh, yeah, I got a courthouse <laughs> wedding... <laughs> I don't bring pictures because are they going to look into it? Right. Are they going to look into see if this woman got a marriage license? Yeah. Like, is this the sort of like sort of like hard hitting journalism that they're going to be doing? Of like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go as deep as this goes. It goes all the way to the top. It's not a real ring. She bought it at Claire's. Like, it's turning her <laughs> finger green. We can all see it. I, I just, if they did any of that research, yeah. they would find out she's lying, but they don't do any of this research. That That is the complaint. By the way, the archdiocese said in a court filing, we're not discriminating. There was a male teacher at another school we found out impregnated someone and we fired him. Yeah, we hate all people who have <laughs> sex or don't have sex. Because that's the only sin that matters. Because some, I, I'm very curious how they found out about that one. Oh my God. But again, like firing someone who's about to have a kid, it also doesn't make the Catholic Church look great. Here's my question. Um, hmm? If she did, so we don't know anything about this woman, nor is it any of her business. I'm curious if she, like, did artificial insemination and purposely is like, I want to have a kid and I don't have a partner. I'm just going to do this by myself. I've seen the movie with J-Lo with Baby's <laughs> Backup Plan, I think it's called. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a bad movie that I watched uh-huh. for, for a podcast. Um, But anyway, like, is that getting... Because she didn't have sex if she got artificially inseminated. Or are they mad about the sex part? Or are they mad about, about having, having a baby, baby out, of by, out of wedlock? Yeah, I don't know. It's all Because immoral. usually they're mad about the baby out of wedlock because it came from pre- premarital sex. Well, if it's artificial insemination, you're probably killing off some fetuses that didn't make it into the... Yeah, but they don't, don't care as much about Don't that. quote my science there. Um, You're the only one here who thought about going to medical school, so... <laughs> uh, one more story. I got okay. time for a quick one, but this one seemed uh, relevant here. The Pew Research Center put out a study this week. So usually after an election, after it occurs, you can you can ask people, how did you vote if you want to talk to me? Uh, so we could find out what groups of people voted, how many of them voted. We could divvy up like, all right, what was the religious breakdown right. of the vote? Last year, that was incredibly hard because everyone did, a lot of people did mail-in voting. Mm-hmm. They did not vote the day of, which made it hard to do exit polls. Sure. So at the time when the New York Times did some exit polling, or at least they published it, what we found is that 76% of white evangelicals supported Donald Trump. And that dipped a little bit from the 81% mm-hmm. that voted for him in 2016. So it's like... It's still a high number. It's still a very high very number. Very high number. It. But okay, it dipped a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. Fine. So here's what the Pew Research Center did now. They said, look, we know that was a weird election for a lot of reasons. What they did is they studied what they called validated voters. These are people who said they voted in mm-hmm. a survey and where the public record indicates, yep, this person did vote. Okay. Now, it's all on the honor system, right. of course, but so is exit polling. Right. So. Um, they basically said, we know this person voted. So we're, we're asking them, how did you vote? Mm-hmm. Like, talk to us. And what, so this is probably the best, most comprehensive data we've seen about the 2020 presidential election. Okay. And here's what they found. When it came to white evangelical Protestants, 84% of white evangelicals <laughs> went for Donald Trump, <laughs> which is significantly higher. That's so many people. That's so many of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now here's what I also found it. Yeah, it's it wasn't even uh, it dipped a little bit, I guess, yeah. which I guess made sense because like after four years of Trump, like I'm sure I know why you voted for him in 2016. Yeah, but also you now that you then, now, now that you see what he's done, maybe a few of you, bigot. <laughs> yeah, maybe a few of you dropped off. That would kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. No, he gained support among that group, among non-religious Americans, completely. This is interesting. 61% of nuns... Um, I'm sorry, let me go back. Um, 
71% of nuns voted for Joe Biden this time around. That's a little higher than it was in 2016 for Hillary Clinton. Not great, but atheists, atheists oh, yeah, specifically, we, we didn't have that number in 2016. Hmm. Now we, we do. Then. 87% of atheists <laughs> voted for Joe Biden. Nice. In other words, we atheists were more of a solid core mm. for the Democratic candidate than white evangelicals were for Republicans. That is the takeaway here. Now, there are a shit ton more of them. So what you're saying is I should quit this podcast, go find any political person, be like, hey, I'm your new atheist liaison. <laughs> I represent all atheists. Yeah. First step, that's, that's fire how all the works. dudes off your staff. <laughs> <laughs> Second step, free birth control and for this, everyone. This is why you are not a political consultant. I would be a really good president, I think. <laughs> So basically, Biden is still drawing. I mean, there's a couple lines in here that were just astonishing. Without the religiously unaffiliated, uh-huh. so atheist agnostics, everyone else in the mix, Trump, if we didn't vote at all, yeah. Trump would have had a nine-point popular vote advantage over Biden. Shit. Like, Democrats need us. Now, that said, if white evangelicals didn't vote for Trump, yeah, he'd lose a lot of people, too. Right, right, right. But Biden is getting a lot of support from religiously unaffiliated voters. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Those voters make up 25% of voters. None. Nuns. 25% of the American electorate. Not Democratic voters. No. The entire no. electorate is non-religious. Good for us. Uh, which is more than the 19% who would consider themselves white evangelicals. So the whole point here is, yeah. uh, I know atheists are strongly Democratic, mm-hmm. but nuns are fairly Democratic and I've said this before, Republicans will bend over backwards to appease a small, uh, religious right. white evangelical constituency. Democrats still today, yeah. m- by and large, run away from non-religious voters. Can I? They shouldn't. And I'm not. And we don't ask them for favors. No, we don't. We're not even asking them to to preach about atheism. Right. We're saying, yeah, just be neutral. Yeah. That's what we're asking for on a lot of this stuff. If I had to guess why, and I, I, do, I don't necessarily foresee there being, like, I know there is at some point in like maybe Elizabeth Warren's campaign, she had like a non-religious yeah, person. Yeah, liaison, liaison of some sort, yes. But like, A, yeah, we, we vote reliably Democratic, but also we, you have to think that, uh, I don't know, it, it, we don't have a leader to appeal to, we don't have a leader to meet with. It's hard. You, you can't is, go which to Which is exactly services. the point I'm trying to make. You, you're right. You can't go to Dawkins or the yeah. American equivalent to say this. But all we are, I mean, in general, what, are, what do I mean when I say what should Democrats do to appeal to a non-religious constituency? Uh. Stress the importance of church-state separation. Yeah. Make sure you say we're going to, when it comes to COVID, which, by the way, is what Biden administration has done. Right. When it comes to COVID, we're going to listen to the scientists. Right. We're going to look at the data and f- follow policy. Right. Uh, make sure policy follows from that. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by appealing to non-religious <laughs> constituents. Those are things we pretty much are on board with, whatever our other political differences are. Yeah. And when I'm looking at this, the fact that whatever eighty four percent of white evangelical, I mean, what does that mean that they grew? It means not just that they are hypocrites when it comes to their stated values and who they're voting for. But they don't mind the cruelty. They don't care about racism. They're not bothered by injustice. Mm-hmm. They're they're not going to change. They're mm-hmm. not like the God they claim to worship. Right. If Jesus showed up today, they wouldn't want anything to do with him. No. Like, I don't understand how that is good marketing for their own churches. Because as they're getting smaller in terms of raw numbers. Mm-hmm. Because they, but more they're, intense. But they're getting more intense. They're shrinking into an unworldly yeah. cult. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, don't ever let them get the moral, claim the moral high ground yeah, over us. They don't have it. Absolutely no good. And then I got one last one. It'll take oh, two seconds. Okay. Uh, a Twitter account that just showed up, like, now that is interesting. As we're speaking? Uh, today. Okay. Uh, at Pastor Plains. Uh, nice. Planes like it's flying. Like Pastor Sneakers guy? Um, kind of, yeah. And all this does, there's an organization called the Trinity Foundation that basically looks at the financial records uh-huh. as much as you can uh-huh. of churches that try to hide it, and they try to be transparent about what they're finding. I found them in the past to be pretty reliable mm-hmm. on a lot of the work that they do. Let's hope they are. <laughs> but this Twitter account, Pastor Planes, they are tracking about 50 private jets 
owned by ministries, televangelists, the type of churches that can afford a private plane, and just saying like, what are you doing with these? Where are you flying? What are you doing? Where are you going? It's one thing to say we are flying to this country because there's a a crisis and we need to help. All right, fine. We get that. We have to pray at them real hard. If if they said we're doing a crusade in this one place, like, okay, I get that. That's why your ministry would want that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these places have been under scrutiny recently because, like, why is the pastor just flying to Hawaii this weekend yeah, on huh. the company jet? So it's, I don't, I don't know where it's going, but I do like that they are tracking these private jets. So at Pastor Planes, do you want to talk about your tacit endorsement of whatever that like dating site was oh, that God. somebody pointed out on? We the group? posted an article uh, not long ago for a site called Dominion Dating, which is basically a dating site for fundamentalist Christians. And basically, it's like, hey, men, you want to basically have control of your wife, uh, and women, you want a guy who's going to control you in the home. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying that that's not their marketing pitch, but that is it's a it's Christian mingle is for heathens. Yeah, Dominion dating is for the real Christians. So uh, uh, Beth on my site wrote an article basically saying here's all the problems mm-hmm. with that. And among it, it's like, you know, if those red flags aren't enough, here's some other stuff that... Uh, so, literally... Okay, I'm going to read the two yeah. the sentences they pulled from. Uh, and this they, is from, they, from She Beth's. wrote a long post yes. explaining all the problems with it. Yeah. You're right. They took a couple lines from there and used it. Not even sentences, like word clusters. Yeah. If the name alone isn't enough of a red flag, the membership agreement should do the trick. That's what she wrote in the article. And then the other thing she wrote is, um, it's never good when people are encouraged to get married immediately rather than taking time to make sure their potential spouse is, is in fact, the right match. And what they came up with to promote Dominion dating was, should do the trick. People are encouraged. (laughs) Which genuinely is so fucking funny to me. Like I've been giggling about it to myself all day because, first of all, should do the trick people are encouraged is a nothing statement. Yeah, it it's saying not really less than nothing. People are encouraged. What there's, the fuck are you talking there's about? There's some movie that once got two stars from a reviewer. Do you remember? <laughs> I don't remember what the specific was. So they had an ad where they had four star, four star, four star reviews. And then they had the two main characters. And in the space between them, they stuck two stars. <laughs> So it looks like a four-star review. Oh, so funny. And I think, the re- I, if I recall correctly, the re- reviewer was like, it's accurate. Yeah, touche. But <laughs> I, I got to give him credit, I guess. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, so It's hey. funny more than it makes me angry. Right. <laughs> um, so we're recording this Thursday evening um, because I am leaving for Kentucky tomorrow. As a reminder, if anyone wants to come hang out... At 6 o'clock, we will be at Apocalypse Brewery in um, in Louisville. And then we're going to go to some place called Neurobar for karaoke. It's going to be a mess. I'm very excited about it. Um, so if you want to come out, come hang out with us at a brewery, that's what we'll be doing. Hammond, where can we find you? I am at FriendlyAtheist.com. I'm at Hammond Meta on Twitter. Please go to Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast. Five bucks a month, no ads. Mm-hmm. Do it. Um, you can find me at Jess Blinky on Twitter, and hopefully I'll see some of you uh, the day after tomorrow. Bye. Bye.